Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, City Life. How y'all feeling today? I would never have known it was push your clocks forward an hour by everybody's face watching us walk in. I would have never have known. I didn't, I've been drinking too much caffeine lately, so I cut back a little bit today because I felt like my stomach was really hurting. And so it was an extra challenge. But then where I was in prayer this morning, it was like one degree up there because somehow the school didn't know that it, it was still winter temperature, but spring forward clock time. But so that's a little bit about my morning. I don't know what your morning was, I feel like, but I know this. In your morning, man, it's just like challenges sometimes. Others, you wake up rejoicing. We want to talk about that abundant life. Like, what does that mean when people say, I got the abundant life. I got this joy. I got life-giving spirit. And sometimes it can feel like it's almost falsified. Like, what is happening with this person? Because I'm feeling a grind, and they're acting like everything's all happy-go-lucky. What's going on? Where's the connection? And I pray today that something happens in us deep in our spirit. Something that's just not of entry-level impact. I'm talking life-changing impact that could alter the course of our life forever. That we would behold of something so significant, so powerful, that it could consume our thoughts and our affections and our attentions in such a way that our life would never be the same. I don't know every single person here, but I know that if I was to interview you as a kid, you'd have big dreams. You'd have all these thoughts and these desires because we all want to make our life count. We want to leave a significant impact behind. For all the parents in the room, probably not the best at it, but we want to be excellent, even in our heart. Sometimes we don't know how to break through. And today I pray, though, that we realize there's power and there's life that is inexhaustible beyond what we have to offer. And I just want to pray today, which is the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, we love you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, some say trespasses, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're looking at John 10, 10 today. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, being Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life abundantly. Life giving. Two types of leaders in our life. One that is a life taker that will lead us as a false leader false teacher, a false shepherd. And when the war comes, they don't care if you survive or not. They're going to flee and they'll just let you die. Second leader being Jesus, the one that's going to lay down his life, giving us life and access, the life giver, the life leader in all different types of things. And this verse really highlights as Jesus is talking, he's sharing, he's saying, look, there's two types of path going on in life all the time. There's a path that darkness is trying to rule and, and rob you of. Satan would love today if you l stayed defeated or if you began to get defeated or if you started to just not think that there's not a big battle going on and you just came out, got an easy entry level. Maybe this isn't that real. Why are we so spiritual? Why are we trying to talk about Jesus so much? I don't think I have to give it this much attention. Satan would love that. He would love to kill you today. 
He would love to lead you astray. And we think, okay, when we think killing, are they coming with a gun? Are they coming with a knife? Are they coming in by force? No, it looks very subtle. It looks sometimes just a leader trying to tell you where you could find life outside of Christ. And as we compare Christ to all other leaders, we're going to see that Jesus is significantly different. Leaders that come in for only their own benefit, as Jesus is talking about here, the thief is a greedy type of leader, a selfish type of leader. There's gain involved for that type of leader. And Jesus being a leader that is radically different in his life, giving power where he says, look, I'm going to lay it all down willingly. And what you get is you get life and you can have it abundantly. And that's what we're talking about. The life giver, the life taker. Now, when we talk about Satan, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not God. And, but he has a legion of demons that are constantly trying to distract you and destroy you. And it almost can feel like a sci-fi film this morning. This, what in the world? Is this how serious it is? I came one week last year, and we weren't talking about demons and angels and stuff. Uh, when we were in youth ministry, the number one question that all kids had, it was not just, how can I date? Can I date? It was, is angels real? Is there demons real? That's why all the films, they keep having it out there. Because this is a question we, can f- we have, and then we can also feel. It feels like there's a battle going on. You turn on the news, there's a battle going on. And then you look at your life, there's a battle going on. Now, if you get around some people, everything is Satan's doing that, Satan or this. And you, you're just like, are you a Satan specialist? No, I'm a Christian. Well, you wonder, so we can overemphasize his work in the world. And if it was like a science experiment this morning, we got to look, just pull it back, all the variables, and get to the base, the constant. The variables, they're going to move, but the constant is that it's good. God created the world, and he created you, and it was good. And then as the variables start to get entered in sin, that's where you see the volatility. That's why you're fighting the way you're fighting in your marriages. That's why you're struggling at times at your job. We can relate. It happens so quick and easy. That's why we find ourselves discouraged with doubts and different things. And so we can overemphasize the work of Satan. He's everywhere. He's in the city. He's in the potholes. He's in my job. He's in my boss. He's in my coworker. He's in my spouse. And I can't look, you know, Satan's here right now. There's that famous, there's this joke where this preacher's preaching and, and Satan comes in. The place leaves. All these Christians are scared. Satan's supposed to be under their feet, right? They're leaving. They're fleeing. He sits down front, uh, front row and, and uh, Satan's sitting right there. And then the preacher drops the mic. He runs out too. And there's this one person who stayed in the building. And then Satan looks over him and goes, aren't you scared of me? He said, no. I've been married to your sister for 32 years. <laughs> that's nobody today. Okay, that's nobody today. That's nobody today. We can overgive credit to Satan where he doesn't need to get credit, okay? But we could also underestimate Satan. In the book, Wild at Heart, John Eldridge talks about that the early Christian leaders, they would write oftentimes that they would come to a city or come to a point and they would feel oppression, feel attack from darkness, from Satan, from forces. And they would write and they'd say, watch out and be on guard and be aware and keep Christ at the center of everything. Because we've gotten to a place even sometimes where we're just numb to kind of the effects of darkness. We're just numb to it. We're just kind of eat and drink and be merry. And we move about, but Satan is so powerful and he's trying to battle you, but he's not the most powerful in this, in this moment today. We're going to get there, but it's very important that we talk about the two contrasts, what's going on. In First Peter chapter 5, you have 
Verse eight says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I'm not trying to find a lion in the jungle. You campers, hey, you, you probably don't want to find a lion in the jungle either, unless you got crazy weapons. I'm not trying to find a lion in the jungle. I'm not trying. That's how he prowls around, like a roaring lion. So I remind you of the interaction when you see God looking at, down at Job, and he's having this interaction with Satan. Where have you been? I've been, oh, to and fro, looking around, and saw your servant Job. And, he, and God allows Satan to bring destruction to Job. Because he was like, watch, Job will stay faithful. Job will come to me. You can have him. So Satan's always coming. He's roar. I mean, he's, he's a predator going around. But here's where we're at. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Faith in what? Faith be in Jesus. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I love the last part of that verse because what it does imply? It implies, one, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going to suffer. And it also implies that there's people all across the world. Well, why would you need to be reminded of that? Because sometimes we think we're the only person going through pain. No one can feel what I feel. No one understands my struggles. My mom can't get it. My dad can't get it. The job can't get it. And you know what? I don't even know if God can get it because, God, I don't got time for you right now. I got to apply for things. Did you know my bills are behind? Did you know it's really hard to lead a family? And it was like saying, it's resist all that. Stand firm in your faith. And remember, there's people all across the world going through a bunch of junk because we have a greater home. We have Jesus. See, the biggest lie is false teachers. This is what they'll tell you. Anyone who's saying that I will lead you to life, isn't this kind of the heart's kind of like uh, calling, if you will? I will be fulfilled when this happens. As a kid, I'll be fulfilled when my family got a, a fence. My mom's here. She probably remembers this. I'd be like, oh, we need to get a fence, mom. Mom, we need to get a basketball court. Once we get a basketball court, then I'll be happy. It's got to be a 30 by 30 asphalt. It'll be awesome. It'll be great. What, we get that. We've got to be a glass basketball hoop. Okay, well, well that one will work. Then we got to get lights on the barn because if we get lights on the barn, then I'll be fulfilled. You know, then we got to get another dog or then we got to get another cat. And then when I'm out of school, I'll surely be fulfilled. You know what? When I get married... Lust will just end. I'll never have to battle that again. I won't have to worry about another thing. And in fact, you know what? If I just get that job, that promotion, then I'll be fulfilled. I've been looking at this house for a really long time. Once I get there, I will be fulfilled. What is the answer to the end of your blank line? You will be fulfilled when? What? Here's the scary part. Is this happens to us, not just in Christ, Happens to all, everyone out of Christ, but how much more should we be aware in Christ? Because in Christ, we have it all. Why is our heart deceived? Jesus says we have the abundant life. How are we defining the abundant life? And I think subconsciously what we've kind of done is that Jesus is like a genie. Jesus, I get one wish. I get two wishes. Jesus, you better show up. Because I need you to dominate this particular situation. And if you don't material, materially or monetarily or, you know, through some type of tangible benefit in my life, then that's not the abundant life. And the abundant life is so much greater than just a tangible thing. So much greater than a job. So much greater than advancement or even a child. And that when it's in the wrong order, what happens is we're not fulfilled in these things, these gifts. 
Sometimes I almost feel insane. What I mean by that is this. There is no place I can find life outside of Christ. Here when I try to convince myself that today, if I just go work out, I'm going to feel way better. But if Jesus wasn't involved in that, I don't feel way better. If I go to the game, I'm going to feel way better. I heard Brandon Johnson's really good. Let me go watch him play basketball. Don't feel way better. But when I find myself at the feet of Jesus, I feel way better. And then when I go to the basketball game, I have, feel like it's an abundant life and it's just a positive flow. And then when I'm leading my kids, it's differently that I'm not feeling condemned like I didn't get there for them all this time. And it's a different posture when you're at the feet of Jesus first. So we have to put first things first. You might have remembered a couple weeks ago, um, if you take the letters D and an O and a G, and you put them in the wrong order, right? You got a dog. But if you put them in the opposite order, you have God, G, O, D. First things first, because in the wrong order, things get crazy. So we're talking about the lies of our hearts and our lives. Is the lies of us too often. Is when the thief is coming, the liar's coming. And you know what he's telling you? He's saying that you can find life outside of Christ. It's worked for no one ever. No one ever, no one ever, it doesn't work. It's short-lived. You might see the sin highlight for a moment. It's great, happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, yeah. Like you don't hear the person, I'm trying to raise a family and do generational impacting things in Vegas. Just, I'm not, I'm trying to change the world long. It's not happening, right? Because the lies that he's always putting in our life is that you can get fulfillment now. Solomon understood this also well. Solomon, so wise, had so much money, and he had a billion concubines. So he had, have you ever thought that somehow women would make you happy? This guy had quadrillions. I mean, it's insane. You read about Solomon. He's got wealth upon wealth. He's got every type of lavish thing you could think. You think essential oils is sweet with the Young Living campaign we can get out going? This guy is next level in all of that. And here's what he says in his life. He says, all of the things, all of this world, everything is vanity. It's all meaningless. Has no point. You could read it and get really depressed, actually. What's happening? But it's really helpful to deconstruct the lie. Because he recognized this roaring lion, this world, how it tries to promise it doesn't deliver. It does not deliver. And today, that world, those lies that you've been trying to put your hope in, it won't deliver. It never will deliver. And when the enemy comes to collect, because he will, because it's property, right? It's a property. I'm going to come to collect. I'm investing in you. It's like an IOU. I'm going to come to collect on the debt. And when he comes to collect, if you just knew in those moments and people that have been through stuff and experienced deep levels of darkness because you found yourself in situations that you never wish you would have been in. And when you find out that the evil one comes to collect on the debt, it's horrific. It's horrible. And you get that moment when you're back in your claret mind. And you're just, How am I here? What am I doing? Does this happen to us? And it's death. Satan will always leave you any place, anytime, will ring you out. The false teacher will leave you, leave you high and dry with no hope and no hope to come. Just ring you out, laugh, and then on to the next. Almost like a bad business model. Just on to the next person. That person didn't work. I love that God. He knows you so intricately that he even knows how many pieces and hair follicles are on your head right now. He knew you before you were born. In fact, 
Next week, we're talking about life. What is life? Why are some people oppressed? How do we define life? Is it at birth? Is it before birth? Is it afterward? I mean, what happens in these big choices of life? Why does it feel like there's certain people that are segregated? Why is it just rap music that's associated with people going to prison? We have to look at life. And I love that God, he gives rights to life for all parties involved. And he makes it very, very, very personal. And he shows up very, very profoundly. And what he does is he exchanges and gives an opportunity of his life for our life and that abundant life. Satan always brings death. He never brings life. In 1 John 4, says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now in the world already. Disclaimer, end times. What does that mean? Is the world gonna end? I think we can get fear sometimes when we hear about it. Jesus is so calm in the midst of a storm. He laughs at people that try to confront him. He lays down his life willingly. He's okay because he knows the grand finale. And when your position's in Christ, here's the truth. You are victorious no matter what could happen around us. Anything that could happen around you, you're victorious. But be not deceived because when the lawless one comes and shows up, will promise great amounts of safety for a whole bunch of people. And what could happen is we'll be led astray so quickly because we're not focused on the next life. We're just focused on this life. I need, you don't understand. I need, I need a survival. I got to get it out. I gotta, you know, right? It's just, you would feel the panic if it was the end of days. But we're living in those type of deception that could happen. And so we need to be aware and alert, not afraid and in a bunker, just aware. Like, okay, I already believe that. When people tell me conspiracies, I'm like, dude, you are, I was in 96 listening to rap you never even heard of. I mean, I think maybe Doritos might be a conspiracy. Why are they, hey, wait for a second. You think I'm funny? Why are they at the checkout aisle? I'm just saying, I mean, what? You know, I mean, they use, use the good food ain't at the checkout aisle. I mean, just think about that for a minute. It'll change your life. Is it gum? I'm not saying. It has to say contains a certain word you can't pronounce. I don't know. I'm just saying. What I'm saying is, you guys, hope can't be in any of this. I've learned enough in life to know that the hope can't be in this. I've learned that enough. That there had to be something greater. And when I heard the gospel, bow. They've been trying to hold him down for a long time. Made a lot of sense. I've been trying to keep him out of schools. I knew that. I could tell it. Why can you sing every song, but you can't sing a name about Jesus? It makes a lot of sense. This guy didn't do anything wrong. He came for the least. I love him. He came for me. He found me when I was broken. That's a God I can follow. That's somebody I can sing about. That's something worth. That's the life giver. That's the life giver. You think about the movies, they, you know, horror and music, and you think it's just fine. And, and, but we got to be careful this morning because the evil can strangle us. I remember uh, walking with Jesus, and I, I was like a real-world kid. MTV, anyone know when that came out? Real world, right? I love TV. Video games, I loved it. 
prolific at last second homework turning in. And thank God, God had gifted me enough where I could actually still get it done. And parents liked the report card. And so I could just kind of go about my business every single day. And something happened though, the more I started walking with Jesus, where when I'm watching E, I'm thinking, this isn't life anymore. This isn't life for me anymore. The card, this is not life for me anymore. The real world, it's not life for me anymore. And wasn't, we, what happens is when in Christ, people go around and they're like the sin police. They start exposing everybody. You watch that? You listen to that? How dare you, right? And just, you're, you're evil, you're wicked. No, 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 no. It really comes down to what are you beholding? And then as we behold something, you're actually taking more people with you on the adventure. And you're actually showing them the greater thing, not what it's against. And this is the whole thing that Jesus is talking about here. The abundant life, the good life. If you shift your perspective and start seeing the authentic, then it won't matter about the counterfeit. You won't want it and you'll notice it. And he said this about federal agents. They have this uh, for counterfeit money. Maybe you've heard this before. I made sure I double checked it online because I'd heard this so many times. I'm thinking, is that true? And this guy had done some research on this to find out that if people that work for the federal agency and they look to find out if money is real or not, because you can counterfeit money, and so how do they determine if it's real or not? You'd think they maybe would know every counterfeit piece out there. Let me study it. Let me study it. Here's what they do. They study the authentic money so they can feel it, so they can smell it, so they can hold even the weight and the light and everything. They know the authentic so much that when a decoy comes, they're like, get behind me. Get out of here. This guy, he was, he was questioning the research. And so he went out and found uh, federal agents in Canada, and they sat down with him, and they said, that's true. We study the authentic it's true. What do we study? The authentic Jesus. How do we know if there's a decoy? Just look at Jesus. We spent so much of our life talking about the decoy. Yo, I've been unfollowing people at a prolific rate. No more decoys. I want to know the truth. Does anybody want to know the truth? The truth will set you free. Like, I'm done with the decoys. It's the truth that'll set us free. Jesus. And so we don't need a selfie with a, some wax museum person. Look, I'm with a celebrity. Man, that person's shiny. We need a selfie with Jesus. And here's the cool part. Jesus is the one holding the camera. And he says, he's the one taking the pictures the whole time. I'm convinced in our life that we're too busy like this. I'm like this. I wake up. Oh, my, oh, my, 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 my. And here's what God's saying. Look up. Look at where, where we're going. New city, new Jerusalem. Everything's made right. We're going to worship forever. I'm going to make all things new. All things are new in your heart. It's freeing, isn't it? He looks, he says, look up. Let's go. Let's look up. So Jesus is unlike the thief. He is selfless. Jesus is the life giver. Jesus is the abundant life. Abundant life meaning exceedingly, over and above, extraordinary. I love how the message puts it. It says, more than you ever dreamed of. I will be fulfilled when? Anything you've ever dreamed of. Dream it up. Imagine right now. What have you ever dreamt of? I will be fulfilled when Jesus enters our life. He answers it all. The fulfillments and the answers in Jesus are yes and amen. And what he promises is eternally true, is that we will have new life forever. That is the abundant life. And so as a kid, I thought it was cars. I thought it was job, money. I thought that was the abundant life. I remember thinking maybe NBA, video games, and maybe the big grand dream. One day I could grow pot. 
hey, I'm not sure your lies. You might have, I thought that was like my best story. 1998, I'm like, 18, that'd be sweet, dude. I can't wait. All five of us will move out, it'll be awesome. <laughs> like that was what I, because I just kind of lowered my dream so far that I, nothing else made sense anymore. Why I love people, it seems so selfish. Why I love jobs, everything seemed like someone's trying to get over on you. Why I love school, it was obvious to say, I mean, how many times you gotta raise your hand? Will we ever use this? Just do it, right? <laughs> It's the worst parenting tactic ever. I always feel bad when I say that. Because I told you so. It's I'm so embarrassing when I say that. Just call me out on it. Because we said, there's a time for that. Because you don't need delayed obedience in the middle of cross the street. Let's have a conversation, okay? We're in the Chuck E. Cheese parking lot, and you enter the door on this side. We don't, there's not a conversation in that moment. But the highest form of parenting is not because I said so. And see, God... God is big enough to handle your questions this morning. He doesn't even just say, because I said so. Even though he is the I am, and it is enough, he interacts with us. You see in the Psalms, the depths of the emotions and the flow of how we can lament and share our griefs with God and even our questions and our hurts and our sorrows. And then we always end with, but your steadfast love is greater. Your promises are ever true. He is worth more. Something more, he gives the life powering spirit that I needed and you needed. I've titled this message, and I meant to say this at the beginning, My Life Giver. My Life Giver. He's my life giver. He answered all of those questions I ever had, and he was greater than any of those dreams. And He became my life giver. Is he your life giver? And can he be our life giver? And he changes the way, and then we want to be life-giving. If you Google life-giving, there's a definition that comes up about it, and it says, the life-giving water of baptism. Think about your birth for a moment. You can't remember it. You've just heard a bunch of stuff. But think, did you do anything to get there? No. It's very similar to rebirth. Did you do anything to get there? No. And you can be so happy that you're just born again. It's kind of like this, this kid's face. I love this image here. Life-giving. When I think about life-giving, the abundant life, sustaining or revitalizing life, invigorating, I think of the picture of this kid. That's what God sees and what he wants for us forever. We're going to be made new. There will be no more tears in heaven. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be joy. There will be life-giving. We want to study the authentic one. Because when the authentic one comes, he gives us life. In Matthew chapter 7, you see 13 and 14. There's two types of roads here. And it says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Everybody's doing it. And those who enter it by are many, many, many false guides, many false teachers, many false leaders. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Jesus' words were harsh at times that only a handful of people would be left, but they would be the ones that would inherit eternal life. They'd be the ones that had abundant life. They saw something so greater that they didn't even care about their possessions the same anymore. They wanted to use them to distribute to, to the local church that they were a part of. They wanted to use that their skills and resources for each other. They started to use their time, their talents, and their treasures differently because they were so convicted by the master, Jesus Christ, of all of everything. In John chapter 6, here's what he says. 
He says, Jesus said to him, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. What did he mean? Jesus, are you crazy? We'll never eat again? No. He's worth more than food. The same way we would crave food. We crave, our spirit craves to be connected to God. And that's why sometimes it can feel as if we're insane. Because once you've been marked by God, you can run, but you can't hide. There's not enough TV shows you can watch. It will be on you forever. Forever. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Thank you, Jesus. We shall never thirst. Now we have Jesus, and here's what we do. We study him. We learn about him. We worship him. And here's what we do with the enemy. We tell Satan he's a liar, and we call him out, and we say, in the name of Jesus, get behind me. You're beneath me. You've lost by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. If you've ever been woken up from a bad dream, it's like I've, I've heard people talk about in the dream, just saying, in the name of Jesus, leave. And then it's like darkness, just flee. And today, I don't know what your dream that you struggle with sometimes, but in the name of Jesus, be gone. Darkness, leave, flee. Jesus is the ruler. He gives us life. And so we see things clearly. And it's funny that Jesus, not funny, but it's just kind of how society is. When Jesus shares all this in John 10, 10, and he's saying the thief, and he talks about the wolf coming, and he lays down his life, they wanted to pick up stones and wanted to kill him because he was, they thought he was, you know, he's claiming to be God. Who is he? Wait, we are so focused on our sin sometimes. Here's what we do. We're trying to justify it, and we're stoning the one that can lead us to another place. Today, don't hold on to what is crippling you. Let it go. Watch what God can do. Why does it feel like we don't have the abundant life? I believe it's because we got to learn more from the life giver and we've falsely defined what abundant life is. We've kind of determined that if we think it's material possessions, it's not. All you got to do is look at the case study of Jesus' life. He didn't have a ton of things. He did, he did they kept order. They had money. They, they went about their ministry he could have had great things. And God is not mad if you have great things today. What that means is great responsibility. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, if you have a lot of things, you're responsible for a lot. God has given you multiple talents and you need to be able to do it with the talents as God is wanting you to. You need to invest and you need to go and you need to dominate through his order and be life-giving. And I think it comes down to the three T's. That the life-giving spirit that God is giving us, we're struggling and we're not fully engaged because we want all of Jesus's benefits, but we don't want him to be Lord of our time, our talents, and our treasure. God, I want you to have my soul. Woo! I want the spirit of God. Oh, I want to prophesy. Oh, day, I love it. Go to church. Are you, you want some of my time? Serve people. Spend time with you. Are you serious? Does this sound like us though? We're like little babies. Thank you, God. Oh, when it works, it works. I'm out. Man, what does God do? He spends the time with us. What does Jesus respond with? The, you see the Trinity, the whole community. We're spending time. Jesus spent time with the Father. He spent time. Because love in our culture is spelled T-I-M-E. 
You want to love somebody, you got to spend time. And then our talent, what has God given you with your hands and your abilities? Jesus gave his whole life. He worked, he listened, he learned, and he's our great example. And he's our guide and our leader. So it's not just an example, just follow me, do as I say. He does what he does. He says, follow me, I'm gonna carry you. I'm gonna carry you. It's so exciting. There's a psalm that says, we cling to God, like we're holding close to him. Picture this, like a little kid. But it says that it's your right hand that upholds me. My little twins, they can't hold me that long. So we could go in the mall and we could walk. It could be like, they could write the story, oh, I was clinging to my dad. What's the real truth? Dad was holding you. Dad was holding you. What's the real truth in your life? That God has been holding you. And that's awesome. That's the best news there could be. So you have a leader that shows you example and then takes you there. He takes you there. So let's let him take us there. And then with our treasure, what has he given to us? with our possessions, the life-given responsibility we have. How do we respond? How do we look at money? He talks about money an awful lot because he recognizes that money can be our leader. Money can be our master. Money can be our guide and our ruler. And money can be our false teacher. Satan would love to rob us and not teach us and let us have a doctrine of what it looks like to have our time and our talent and our treasure. I end with uh, these, these, just this closing thoughts is uh, in John 10, 15, it says, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. What's that mean? What it means is this, that Jesus saves us and then he wants to connect us into the family. And today I want to challenge us in a simple, practical way as the life giver is consuming our heart and our attention that we would live in a way that has been set free. That people would feel life-giving presence in us and through us. It doesn't mean we're just kumbaya and always happy-go-lucky. What it means is sometimes leading broken and then talking about the life-giving power that we're hoping towards, we're looking towards, and we're saying, come Jesus. I don't feel it today, but I know I'm victorious. That's what happens when God's our leader. And then as we give of our time and our talent and our treasure in ways that are differently, and as we engage this generation and these people and we engage each other, because he saved us to have the abundant life. And the abundant life is God's word, spending time with God, but it's also God's people. It's spending time with each other. And then living that out amongst anywhere we go, that they would see the city set on the hill. And we'd be present with people, not some separatists look at the Christians. No, 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 man, we're coming. Doesn't matter where anybody came from, where they're at. If they feel broken, we're here, we're present because we believe that there's a life giver that loves people in their worst moments, in their worst days. So that's why we're present. So the challenge would be, would you live? Would you give and would you engage? And today, a prayer could be as simple as, man, I come in this place and I feel so broken. I'm a sinner and I'm not letting God have all my tensions. In fact, I've been letting Satan lead me too often. I want God to have everything. God, forgive me. That's a simple prayer you could just pray. You could say that right now. Bow, God hears your prayers. The enemy's been trying to trick for generations because he's been studying how you know, maybe your family, if you wonder why people have been struggling for generation after generation, he's been watching for generations on how to just get you off in the ditch. 
But God has been intimately in your mind and your thoughts and he's wanting your soul and he's there, he's present through Jesus Christ right in your seats. New life now, it's what he gives, it's what he offers. And my second prayer would be for all of us is that we would get connected with each other. We would get rooted. That we would be in God's flock and his family. We'd join a root group. Every experienced guide, there's a root group in there. Uh, which different root group you could be a part of, and just fill one out. I know it's hard. You don't want to be known by people. You don't want people to understand your stuff. But this is part of God's life-giving power. That's why he said a flock. That's why he said each other. So we have that first and foremost in our households, and then we share that with others because we're trying to learn more about the authentic life, the life giver. And he works through people. And he left his spirit so that we could go about and know him in his word. It's interesting. Why didn't Jesus just stay with us forever? He didn't stay with us because he knew that he was going to empower you through the Holy Spirit and that he gave you his word and that he wanted to use you and that we needed each other. Each other. Commit to the public reading of scripture, Paul tells Timothy. Public with each other, one flock, one shepherd, one leader. Amen? One shepherd, one flock, one leader. So as John 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus Christ is the one who gives us life and he gives it abundantly, period. It's more than we ever dreamed of, more than we ever thought, more than we ever hoped for, the life to come is the one. And so today, through your pain, through your affliction, through the suffering, resist the enemy. Stand firm in your faith. Be encouraged with one another. Get connected, be plugged in. And I pray that God's grace would hold us and carry us through all of the storms of life and that we would study him in such a way and behold him in such a way that our belief in him in the accuracy of who he is would transform and permeate every ounce and fiber of our being in the daily rhythm and to our jobs, our household and everything so that we would be life-giving extraordinarily more than we ever dreamed of. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're my life-giver. I thank you that you're our life-giver. I pray today that people would be so inspired to give, to live, to engage, to jump in a root group. I pray they wouldn't feel forced. Some people, it doesn't fit right now. That's fine. There's freedom. For others, though, they feel like, hey, I need a little bit of a challenge. I'm in. That's where I need this season. I pray jump in. It won't be easy. It's not going to be. In fact, if you're waiting for somebody else to fulfill your life and you think that that will happen, it won't. You're going to be with Jesus. He's going to fulfill your life. And then it's going to be fulfilling as you're connected with him as we learn more about him together. So God, I pray that through your grace, through your love, through your mercy, you'd reach every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.